This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and my hope is that it provides you some community and support in your everyday life, or it answers some questions, maybe some big questions that you might have about parenting. And today, we have a fun interview. It is episode 44, and I'm talking with Kristen Rainey. Kristen is a gardener. That's right. She's a gardener. She has a beautiful cut flower garden. She also grows vegetables as well. And guess what? She lives in Canada. So if you can do that in Canada, I think you can do that anywhere. I think this was the last interview I recorded in Indiana, one of them at least. And when I told her I was moving to North Carolina, she assured me that this was a really good place to grow a garden. So I'm very excited and inspired, though I don't think I will be doing any garden growing in 2021. I do think I will be inspired to do that in 2022. Moving halfway across the country, or I guess four states over, with all of our kids has been quite the trip. So I don't think I'll be taking on any extra things right now. Uh, You can find Kristen, though. She's got all kinds of great tips over on her Instagram. It's shifting underscore roots. We also talk about Kristen's family. She has three kids, and she shares a little bit about what it was like walking through when her son was diagnosed with autism, and she's got some great tips for parents who might be walking through that in the early stages as well. Her daughters are really close together, so she's got a gap between her son and then her two daughters, and so she's really in the thick of it with these two little girls right now as well. And I just want to offer some support and encouragement. If you have babies right now and toddlers, having a baby and a toddler at the same time is really hard. And I'm going to tell you right now, my youngest is three and it is already so much easier for different reasons. Things are hard, but I feel the weight lifted, not having a baby while trying to protect that baby from a toddler. So if you're in that stage, I feel you and you will get through it. Um, All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Prevenex. If you are looking for a place to get your own vitamins or vitamins for your children, definitely check out Prevenex. They've got clean, effective products. The Super Vites, those are the kids' vitamins. They donate a bottle for every bottle you purchase. They also have great protein powder that we use in smoothies here. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code Lindsay15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5. And that will save you 15%. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Kristen. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Kristen Rainey on the show. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I have just heard and seen on your Instagram that you just had a little weekend away from the kids. Yes, this is uh, my first time being away from my youngest. She is almost 14 months and I went away for three days and I actually got to sleep and it was glorious. 
so amazing. I always put so much pressure on myself to sleep, though, when I'm away from the kids because I'm like, now's your chance. You got to do it. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But I mean, my girls are both really terrible sleepers. They were very <laughs> late to sleeping through the night. So I've only slept through the night like five times in the last two and a half years. So uh, I can fall asleep at the drop of a hat right now. <laughs> I um I was just looking at this video of myself because my kids, my youngest is three and it's when my baby, my youngest was like, I don't know, four months or something. And I could just, I saw this video because it was like someone who had responded to an in Instagram post. And then I looked at like our past history and I clicked on the old video, the person I responded to, and I'm holding the baby. And I was just like, there's just a look in my eyes that says, I am so tired. Oh, Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know that look. <laughs> and it's it's like, it's just, that's what it is. The first year postpartum, like as much as sleep or as, as well as I try to take care of myself, like you're just in a deficit. And plus you have all those hormones pumping through your body that everything's changing. There's just a, there is a postpartum look. There really, really is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your family. I know you have a son and then two daughters and you kind of had a decent sized break in between the the son and the daughter. So what did that look like for your family? Okay. So yeah, um, my son is nine years old and um, he does have autism. Okay. I also had a really traumatic birth with him and a really hard time healing from my C-section with him. And um, I was also a classical singer. So having a C-section when you're a classical singer is a, like really challenging because, yeah, all the muscles you need to do your job, you suddenly don't have access to. And so I definitely had some postpartum depression with him. And then it was just, you know, very challenging with getting the autism diagnosis and just learning how to parent him because I you know, expected to parent him like a neurotypical child and that doesn't work for him. And so, yeah, it was a big journey just to learn how to parent, be the best parent I could be for him. And so during that time, like I always wanted another one, but I was okay that it wasn't working out because I think I was just so busy and so traumatized from his birth and whatever that I think my body just said no. Mm. It's like, no, you cannot handle another baby right now. And so when he was in kindergarten, we had just sort of been through a big life change. Like my husband used to work long times away um, at the potash mines. He would be gone for like three weeks at a time and then home one week. And we had done this for a while because it was great money. But there was just one day where we sort of looked at each other and we're like, I feel like I don't know you anymore. I still love you, but we're not a team. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of one of the points where we're like, we have to change our lives. And, you know, it took a, like about a year to sort of um, transition into a new job for him and to make some changes in my own job. And then we also moved locations because the, the potash work had dried up at that time. So um, we had moved to Saskatoon, which is um, the largest city in Saskatchewan, Canada, and we had the perfect house for us. You know, it was just our son and the two of us. And we're like, you know what? This is our life. We found like we're living in the neighborhood. We always wanted to live. We've accepted that this is our family and everything is great. And then I think my body just said, okay, <laughs> now you're ready. <laughs> now that you're real happy with how everything's going, let's add some more here. 
Yes. And so I was very, very excited. Also a little nervous because of my previous birth experience. But, you know, I I now knew how to advocate for myself more. And um, I had a very, very positive birth experience with my second. And then when she was six months, we got pregnant again. Oh, my gosh. um, So young. Yeah, I just I did not think that I was fertile. I thought that was like just a one-time thing. So I guess we weren't very careful. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good because, you know, we always wanted three or four kids. So, I mean, maybe not the timing I would have envisioned for my life, but ecstatic to have all three babies very, very much wanted. Man. Yeah. I mean, you just, you want to plan and you can't plan. That's just not how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is not that way for everybody. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, I had one C-section with my first and then I had three V-backs. So I know the recovery from a C-section is like much more intense. And I'm a runner and I can say like from um, that, the recovery from that was like so much more difficult than the vaginal births. But, you know, I never thought about someone who's a a singer who sings for a living. Did your doctor talk to you about that all? Did you know how intense that would be going into it? No. And like the problem with being a classical singer is that it's not a very popular career. So like my doctor doesn't have any other professional classical musicians that she takes care of. I was her only one. And so it was like I had to coach her through it. And then um, by my second and third births, I was telling her like, I don't know if you'll ever have another classical singer, but you need to let them know like X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Wow. How did you know? Like, did you did you know it would be a thing? Or was it like after the birth, you're like, Oh, man, this is gonna be a road to get back to where I was. Yeah, I didn't know anything. Um, I was woefully unprepared for my first birth. Because I was a classical musician, I had such a busy teaching schedule. And um, whenever the birth prep classes were, I was always working. And at that time, uh, nine years ago, they didn't really do online classes. So you basically had to show up in person or not at all. And so for me, it was not at all. I was like, you know what, I'm a singer, I can breathe, I can get through labor. I've, I've got this. And in my mind, I was like, well, if I have a C-section, okay, that's not the great plan, but whatever. I just want a healthy and alive baby and mama, so that's all that matters. And so I had read about women who um, had a hard time recovering and who wished they had a vaginal birth and really regretted their C-section. I was like, what are they talking mm. about? Like, how is this traumatic? You, you're, you're still alive. It's all fine. And like, now I know it is extremely traumatic with that emergency C-section when you're not prepared. Um, and yeah, so when I recut or like got home and sort of was trying to just move a little more and stuff, um, I remember the two months after they say to not do anything, I tried to exercise. I tried to jump. I couldn't jump. Mm. I was like, what is this? I also, in my plan, my birth plan, you know, I was going to have a vaginal birth. So, of course, I could be back at work two weeks later teaching my voice students because they all had music festival. And I just felt like I could not leave them during music festival. So, I know in the United States, it's not totally unheard of for a woman to go back to work that early. But in Canada, everybody has a year-long mat leave. So, everybody looked at me like... I completely crazy but I'm like I own my own business if I don't show up for these kids I won't have a business to return to and so I really did damage to myself like I tried not to like 
use those muscles and I try to protect myself, but it just, it was way too much, way too soon. You know, that's so interesting. Like you own your own business. So it's, it's like if companies are giving people a year long maternity leave in Canada or whatever country people are in, yeah. it's like, but if you work for yourself, that's really on you. And and if that's where your mm-hmm. money is coming in, that's a really personal decision. Yeah. And so most private teachers I know, they go back to work three weeks to a month, depending okay. when their birth is. Yeah. And I mean, if you're lucky and you can time it for the end of your teaching year, like that's mm-hmm. ideal because then you've got the summer. But, you know, not everyone's that lucky. Yeah. Like we said, we can't plan these things. We don't, we can't control it. Exactly. Um, how old was your son when you got his autism diagnosis? Um, he was four, but we had suspected he was autistic since he was about 18 months and maybe even a little bit earlier. And then can you walk us through that process a little bit? I'm assuming there are probably some listeners who might be walking through that now. And now that you're nine, nine years in, um, I wonder if you have any, I don't know, experiences or words of advice or encouragement to those who might be new to walking through that. You know, um, I would say listen to autistic adults. That is the most important piece of advice I could give you. Um, There is a group on Facebook. It's called Autistic Inclusivity. And when you go there, it is a bit shocking because as a parent, when you first learn your child might be autistic, you're like worried about their life and their future and what that's all going to look like. And then you hear things from the autistic point of view, and it can be very shocking to you as a neurotypical person. Or you know what, in a lot of cases, you think you're a neurotypical person. And then after talking to autistic people and sort of learning how their brains work, you realize, oh, I might actually be autistic or I might be neurodiverse or I might have ADHD or whatever. And it's a whole acceptance process. Wow. I don't know that I've ever heard that advice. Make sure you talk to autistic adults. Yes, because um, like most people want to get their kids in therapies and like there's there's nothing wrong with therapies, but I, from the things that autistic have adults told me, um, if you're using an ABA practice, um, I would really strongly discourage that. Autistic adults say that it is abuse. And so the way I've decided to parent my child, like I'm going to listen to autistic voices first as much as possible. Okay. And what does that look like with schooling for you now? Well, in our case, Dominic actually doesn't get a lot of supports. He um, really the only thing he struggles with is writing. And so, you know, he he actually does pretty well socially. And we also try to create an environment for him that, you know, throughout the day, he has to fit in with the neurotypical world or like it's called masking in the autistic community. And so he has to do masking to just get through life. And we want to make sure that when he comes home, we allow him enough space to be himself. Like, Mm. so I'm not going to expect him to have eye contact with me. I'm going to make sure that he has anything he needs for his stims or to like just um, decompress from the day and, We just really want to be as supportive as possible for him and really want to avoid um, depression in the future. That's very common with autistic adults. Wow. Okay. I'm going to link up that Facebook group that you shared um, in the show notes Mm -hmm. so that anybody's interested in learning more, they can um, check that out. Now, one more question I have before we move on to your gardening is, you know, when you mentioned your husband and you deciding like, we need to like 
get back on the same page. Like we need to get back on the same team. I think that's really hard to do when you get married, right? Like kids happen, jobs change, like, and you do end up going through the motions with things sometimes and not even realizing it, but to both look at each other and say like, like we got to fix this. I think it's really honorable. And did you go to therapy? How did you do that? You moved. I know. Yeah, we, we didn't go to therapy. But I think the move was the most important thing and the job changes because we just knew that the biggest thing for us was we had to be on the same schedule. And we also realized that for our son, we needed to live a more consistent life. Like Mm. for an autistic child, having students coming in and out of your home all days and hours of the week, like it's a very inconsistent schedule. And God bless my child. Like he learned to cope with it. And he sort of knew that like on Monday, this is who mommy teaches and lessons last a half an hour. These are her breaks. And then on Tuesday, this is a schedule and whatever. But we just really wanted to create a life that was more stable for him. And so we, we changed and we were both on the same page with that. I love that. That's so good. So healthy. Um, so the singing and the teaching, I know that sort of recently you've moved on from that and you're really focusing on, on the gardening. Had you been doing flower gardens and vegetable gardens along the way and now you've just shifted into a more focused practice? Yeah, that was actually my entire childhood was gardening and yeah, growing flowers and vegetables and being dragged out around the farm and being made to do all the farm work. And, um, I had resented it and didn't like it for a long time, but there was just always this part of me that missed it because in order to do singing, Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to give up that entire side with me to focus. And so, you know, when I was thinking like, okay, singing is not working or the lifestyle around singing is not working for me and my family. Like, what can I possibly do that doesn't require me to go back to school? Like, what could I do? What am I good at? Because I felt like as a creative person, a lot of my skills weren't marketable. And so as I was sort of researching what my options were, I found blogging and I knew it was a bit of a long shot, but I thought it would try it. And then when for, a, I didn't actually start out as a gardening blog at all. I just thought it would be general lifestyle and like decor and stuff and gardening would be just a little part of it. But then um, I had a post go viral and it was about gardening. And then I had another post about gardening go not quite as viral but it was like pretty substantial and so I was like okay I am a gardening blog done okay what were those posts um it's gardener's worst nightmares 28 plants you'll regret planting that was the first one and people got mad at me like (laughs) mad but it was an opinion piece and it was also supposed to be a little bit funny because uh-huh. I was always that friend you asked about what do you plant in your yard and I had very strong opinions about like, you know, um, you guys call them ditch lilies in the States, okay. but they're those orange um, day lilies. Oh, day lilies, and I'm yes. Like, those things, if someone gives you them for free, like don't even plant them. They bloom <laughs> for three seconds and then you've got nothing. They do. But they're so God. short. Right. But I mean, just people took it the wrong way. Some people agreed with me. And I think because um, it was so controversial, that's what made it become really popular. Of course. Isn't that funny? It's like, I have to say something that's going to piss someone off for it to go viral. (laughs) (laughs) Those dang daylilies. Okay. um, So speaking of that, let's piss some people off. Okay. What are some other ones that we'll regret planting? 
we may or may not, but you will regret, you would regret planting. Yeah. Um, Shasta daisies, like everybody loves Shasta daisies. I actually love Shasta daisies. What do they look like? Um, they're just like the typical white daisy with the yellow centers. Yeah. And, um, they're beautiful, but they will take over your whole yard if you're not willing to do the work of like keeping them to a spot. Okay. Um. Yeah, purple bellflower. Uh, most people agree with me on that. Oh, ferns. I despise ferns, like specifically ostrich ferns. But that's because I live in a place that it's a 1929 house. And the lady who sold it to us, it had been in her family the entire time. And then the last couple of years, she was too ill to take care of the place. So like I would pull out fern after fern after fern after fern. <laughs> I'm like, if you had to pull out 400 ferns, and I'm not even lying, like I counted, you also would hate ostrich ferns. And they just kept coming up. Yeah. And I mean, I've got them mostly under control now. Like they don't, the ones that I left, like they're happy. But then the ones that I pulled up, they're mostly don't come back. Okay. So Kristen has a really, her Instagram is called shifting underscore roots. And she makes these beautiful flower bouquets. And You know, like I've always thought of planting flowers as like it being aesthetically pleasing for my yard, right? I never thought like, oh, I should like plant a little space so that I can actually make bouquets for my home inside. And also like that's like the best gift, right? You just show up at someone's house for dinner and like you can just bring a beautiful bouquet of flowers. You don't have to go to the store. Um, Totally. You are the favorite guest. Like they're going to ask you back. (laughs) Yeah. And they're way more fun than flowers you bought at Trader Joe's. Like they're, they came from your garden. Um, Where do we start though? If we want to be able to have a garden robust enough that we can clip, you know, a decent amount of bouquets and we're not like taking all the flowers out of our yard. Well, so that's sort of the secret of cut flower growers is that if you're serious about taking cut flowers, your yard actually won't look that pretty. You won't have that many cut flowers. You'll constantly be cutting. Oh, sure. So constantly be, yeah, I don't know which fo- um, photos you've seen, but so the ones I took last year, I specifically left all my flowers bloom, which no cut flower farmer would ever let that many flowers bloom. But um, I was having an interview done and like they were going to film the whole garden and everything. So I'm like, no, okay, I need to leave everything. Everything, so it looks really pretty. Yeah. But like, could you have like, you know, your decorative flowers for your yard and yeah, then you could so have like a little farm area that's like, this is, yeah. these are the flowers I cut. Yeah, definitely. So I would say if you're new to cut flower farming, um, just stick to the ones that you don't have to seed start. So that's sunflowers, bachelor's buttons, uh, zinnias, you can do baby's breath, um, calendula is very easy to grow. Any of those are just like really good starter flowers. Yeah. You know, my grandma always had a ton of flowers in her yard and we would always joke because they were just like, it was just a huge mess. There's flowers everywhere and she would let them grow and you know, you could see the flowers from the road, but also she would cut them a decent amount. There was just such an abundance and it was just this big, just big yard of flowers. Yeah, that's like the dream. (laughs) I love it. Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Prevenex is where I get all of our vitamins and supplements and protein powder for our family. Their products are clean, they're effective, and they do good work over at Prevenex. They actually donate a bottle of Supervites Kids Vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every bottle that you purchase. 
My kids love the vitamins. They actually ask for them. They ask for more than the serving size. They keep wanting more, so that's how tasty they are. And sometimes we even pop them into our smoothies and I just mix them up in that. I personally take their multivitamin for so long. I would go to Target and wander the aisles and think, okay, what, what's the good multivitamin? What's, what's the clean product? What's the effective product? And I'm so glad to have found Prevedex. As a runner and an athlete, I use their Joint Health Plus as well, and that protects my joints so that I can have longevity in the sport. Check out all their products when you go to Prevenex.com. Use the code Lindsay15, and that will get you 15% off your order. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 for 15% off your order. Um, so talk to us about like how to start a raised bed flower garden. Do, do you suggest that or do you suggest using the, just soil on the ground? It depends what your soil is like. Um, if you don't have great soil where you live and you don't um, maybe have a lot of money, effort, time to pour into that, then yes, raised beds are fantastic. You can control the soil. The only thing is right now, um, they're a little expensive because mm. wood prices are crazy. I don't know if it's the same in the States. Yes. Um, and you can, you can even do it in containers um, on your deck. So I've been experimenting more with that and I'm finding pretty much any cut flower will work in a container. I've done eucalyptus. I've done sunflowers I have growing this year. Any of those flowers that I just previously mentioned, those are all doing great. Marigolds, asters, like they all work in containers on your deck if that's all you've got. So, but like once you clip them, do more come up? I'm just thinking like, I want to make a lot of bouquets. Yeah, um, not all of them. So some of them are like cut and come again flowers, which is the kind that you want. And then others are the one and done. So you do have to be a little careful with that. So do you make bouquets for like weddings and stuff like that? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I booked five weddings this year and I'm in talks to start booking already for 2022. And like, it's just a huge passion of mine. I love doing it. I love like giving something gorgeous to my bride and it's, it's very fulfilling. How do you decide? Like, I'm sure some brides are more particular than others. I remember my wedding, we hired someone from the farmer's market and it wasn't like super fancy. Like, you know, it wasn't like a tight, fancy bouquet. It was kind of like flowy. So how do you decide how to create the bouquets for different brides? Um, Well, the biggest thing for me is like I have a very set style, very much like what you want. And I try to let potential brides know ahead of time that like this is my style I am not super flexible in my style because I'm a farmer florist and like these are the flowers I can grow in zone three. And if you don't like those type of flowers, you don't like that style, you're not flexible, it's probably best you go to someone else. And I'm 100% okay with that because I want my bride to be happy or I want my bride who's not my bride to be happy. What I mean? like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a confident way to run a business too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. just being able to say like, I'm not right for you. And that's, you know, it's hard because you're turning away business and money. But like, if it if you don't think it's going to work. Yeah. And I just I don't want bad experiences. And then like, I do post a lot of um, making bouquets on YouTube and stuff. So I also want a bride who is okay with that. And I mean, in the future, as I have more and more brides, like I won't post everybody on YouTube. But for now, I'm just sort of building up the business. That's part of my strategy to have people see what I do and more exposure to my work and like, gain clients. 
I saw some peonies in one of your bouquets. Yeah. Is that one of your favorites? Hundred percent. I love so peonies. pretty. <laughs> yeah, they take three to five years to mature if you start a new one. Wow. Uh, but like worth the wait, hundred percent worth it. So like, if you buy a peony plant from like Lowe's or wherever. Right. Because are you saying three to five years from the seed up or like if you buy a plant, it just takes three or five years to like yeah. really get robust? Yes. Any of those plants from Lowe's are going to take that long. And so um, where I live, the person, the family that lived there, they planted probably about, I don't know, around nine peony nice. bushes. And so we are planning to move this year, but I'm taking all those with Heck me. Yeah. Yeah, and so even though those peonies are getting close to 100 years old, when I plant them at my new location, I'm still going to have to wait three to five years. Oh, man. They... Yeah, it's it's too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. Do, are you nervous about digging them up and them surviving? I'm not nervous about them surviving necessarily, but I am nervous about that wait because yeah, it's I really a long time working with them, and I know I'm going to have to buy from other people. I mean, my mom has a few that I can grab, but I also don't want to like deplete her whole stock. <laughs> Why are you guys moving? Um, we bought a two bedroom house back with that whole transition uh -huh. because again, we thought like we're only ever going to have one kid. This is our life. We're happy. And um, it was more important to us to be in a neighborhood where we could like walk to the grocery store, walk to the parks, walk to the river. And so we have like one of the best locations in the city. And mm. the only way we could afford that location was to buy like a fixer upper two bedroom house. And we're like, well, we only have one kid. It'll be fine. It is not fine anymore. <laughs> <laughs> With three kids, two bedroom house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so like we tried piling all three kids in one bedroom, but the baby just didn't sleep well enough and the toddler was still not solid enough. So baby's in our room, the older two are sharing a room. That's so hard and it's so true with any neighborhood. It's like you're mm -hmm. paying for the location 100%. Like it's so hard and I get it. You know, we're actually moving from Indianapolis to North Carolina this week, like this weekend. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's wild. I know. It's like a crazy week for us. But like we specifically bought a house in a more expensive neighborhood and we kind of like sacrificed some space from where we're moving from because I'm like, I feel like to move to a new location where I don't know anybody, I need to be able to feel like I can get to know my neighbors really easily. Yes. Also, like, P.S., you are in one of the best areas for gardening of the United States. Oh, I'm so say. excited. Like, all the homesteaders seem to live in North Carolina or okay, South Carolina. Okay. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good transition then because I'm curious about this because you're always mentioning your zone three. And I see when yeah. I, you know, in my, like, very small amount of gardening that I've done, I see on the seed packets, like, all the yeah. zones. And I'm always like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means. So explain to us the yeah. zones. So basically, it's an average of how cold it gets where you live and how warm it gets where you live and then what plants can tolerate that. Um, so if you're growing like vegetables and annual flowers, it really doesn't matter. I just talk about zone three all the time because I find that's just a really quick way to get people to understand like sort of where I live and the conditions that I'm dealing with. But like zone three is kind of similar a lot of places that are zone three, but in the States, like zone five, zone five on the West coast versus zone five on the East coast, you all have like maybe the same temperature difference, but you have very different soils and climates and things that you're dealing with. So it's not necessarily quite as catch all. Okay. As zone three. 
is, yeah. So is North Carolina zone five? Oh, no, no, girl. You got like zone eight or zone seven. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous. You have no idea. You can do pretty much year-round gardening. Really? Yeah. You should watch Roots and Refuge. She's moving down to South Carolina. She was in Arkansas okay. before. She's one of my favorites. But, yeah, like, Justin Rhodes is down there. Um, oh, what's my other favorite guy? Josh Satin is down there in that general area. Oh my gosh. Because moving from, where'd you say Arkansas? Yeah. I'm just wondering, is it, is it cooler or hotter Arkansas to North Carolina? I think it's about the same temperature, yeah. but she was saying it was like a lateral move okay. instead of a vertical move. Yeah. I had no idea there were that many zones. Oh yeah. I think it goes up to 12 or 13. Okay. Sorry. One more zone question that's specific to me. Sorry, yeah. listeners. Um, what's Indiana? <laughs> If you know. I think you're about a zone five, maybe a zone six. Um, okay. I have followers from all over the U.S. and Canada, so I generally have like a, a general idea of what sort of where. I had a I had a guest on recently who said they went and vacationed in Nova, Nova Scotia, and I was like, where is that? And then I had a Canadian listener, hi, if you're listening, that commented, and they were like, Lindsay, you need to know your provinces. Like, <laughs> figure this out. Because he's like... We Canadians know all of your states. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to get on that. It's true. It's true. Nova Scotia is beautiful, by the way. We um, just visited there last October. Um, my sister-in-law had a baby. And so we went to help out with her and her husband and her kids. And best vacation ever. Go in the fall if you can. Like, totally worth it. Oh, real? Do they live there, your sister-in-law? Yeah, but they're actually moving home. So okay. we're very, very excited for that. What's the distance, like, from where they are now like, how far apart are you now? Oh, my goodness. It's like a three, four day drive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost at the opposite end of Canada. So, like, they're way by the Atlantic Ocean. And then we're almost in the middle of the continent. And then, you know, north. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's wild. Yeah. So, it's really far away. Okay. Well, that's on my list. You know, one of my favorite things, and I'll ask you, which this might be your answer. Um, at the end mm -hmm. of the show, I always ask people like, what's a trip you've taken with your family that you recommend? And so yeah. it's really fun compiling those lists and seeing um, where people have been. And then, I mean, you know, you have an episode a week, you can't visit all of the places, but course, picking yeah. from picking from them. Okay. So I want to transition to to vegetables real quick. In, in your zone okay. three or like colder weather areas like Indiana, for instance, yeah. which to you, you're like, that's not cold. You have no idea. <laughs> um, what are your favorite vegetables to grow that you can grow in abundance and like really, really f feed your family with them? Right. I like pumpkins. Um, I'm a, I'm a big squash fan, like in baking and just sort of hiding it in like chili and stuff. And pumpkins are always really gratifying to grow. Like you feel like you've accomplished something. Um, also tomatoes, a little bit more work, but we currently have this greenhouse and we've been babying those tomatoes like nobody's business. And like, I'm so proud of those things. Um, what else? I love to grow Swiss chard. Like basically my thing for any of your listeners would be just grow what you eat. Mm. Grow what you use. And don't worry if you fail at a crop. Like it, some of the crops are harder than others. Like for us, broccoli is really hard to grow. And um, it took some experimenting. And especially because we have such a cold season, the the thing is that, oh, everybody plants May long weekend, which for us is the weekend before Memorial Day for you guys. Um, 
But that broccoli, I found that if I actually planted it at the beginning of April and covered it with frost cloth and stuff, it actually did like way, way better. But you don't know unless you try. Why do we plant marigolds by certain vegetables? Um, um, it's a, they're supposed to deter bugs. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And like all over the internet, you hear like, oh, it worked for me. Oh, it didn't work for me. I don't know. Like more of the scientific minded gardeners that I know they're kind of like, yeah, it's it's incidental. Like I don't think that's really <laughs> a thing. <laughs> Are you moving your greenhouse with you? No, uh, my greenhouse is already in the location that I'm moving to. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'm really lucky with that way. Yes. So like, have you already sold your house? No, I don't think we're going to sell our house to the fall. Like I, so I have eBooks and courses that I write and um, some of those eBooks sort of hinge on what I've got growing in my backyard this year. Mm. So we can't put our house up for sale until September, October. And then is the new home, like, are you building or is it already built? It's already built. We're just buying my mother-in-law's acreage. So like, this is a very easy move for us. Oh. Okay, nice. And you're already you already have your greenhouse there and everything. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, we've already been gardening and starting to like make the yard as we want it, planting an orchard, all of that stuff. It's been really wonderful. Okay, so you already mentioned Roots and Refuge, Justin Rhodes. Do you have any other favorite follows for people around the country or around Canada to also follow along as well as following you, Shifting Roots? Yeah, of course. Um, so I definitely got to mention my friend Ashley. Um, she runs a YouTube channel and Instagram, all that stuff. Her name, uh, Gardening in Canada is hers. So sort of a similar niche to mine, except she's a soil scientist. Um, I also have a gardening friend down around Minneapolis and she is Joanna with Gingham Gardens. Um, and then there's Julia out in Ontario and she it, runs the Gardening Girl website. Those are probably my three ones that I'm closest to. Do you think people need to be following if they like really want to get into this? Do they need to be following people mm -hmm. that live in their zones? It's ideal. I mean, I follow people who are in my zone. And it's funny, like I went into this being like, okay, I am just for the cold climate short growing season people. And I have people following me from Texas and yeah. Florida. And like, they're asking me questions. I'm just like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is my best guess. <laughs> but they probably think if she can do it in Canada, if she can do it way up north, yeah. then she surely has good advice. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, okay, I have to ask, you had your little weekend away and you said you finished a book. What book did you read? Um, I didn't finish that book. It was, okay, this is really embarrassing. It was like a Danielle Steele novel that oh, I got at one of those lakes front, like, take a book, read uh -huh. a book. And I'm like, I need something I don't need to think about. Um, but like the last serious book I read was um, Cool Flowers by Lisa Mason Ziegler. Okay. Do you find that you read more about flower gardening or vegetable gardening? Flower gardening, definitely. Like that's just sort of my focus right now is really honing in on that cut flower garden. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, you know what? Personally, I would really like to paint more watercolor. And I always have this dream that someday I'm going to play the cello. It doesn't have to be professionally or anything, but just like play it somewhere for fun maybe with a couple other people or something. I don't know. Have you learned it? Like, do you know it at all? 
Um, my husband, when he, him and I were in music school before we were married, he took a string class, a uh, string techniques class. And he, his instrument was the cello and he had to find somebody who had never played the cello to try and teach them for like an exam. And so he taught me in front of his teacher and he did all the things. And then I went to make my first note with the bow and it was beautiful. And I think he got a really good mark because the teacher <laughs> said, nobody ever makes a good note the first time. <laughs> So you're like, you're welcome for that good grade. Yes. And then for like the five days, he still had the cello. I would like sneak away into the practice room and see if I could figure out like twinkle, twinkle, little star uh-huh. just because I was so obsessed. Will you get back into singing or will you take on any gigs or anything like that? Um, I think I will get back into singing maybe when the girls like in four or five years. Yeah. Um, I was just fucking even when I only had my second one that it was just harder to keep up with it and, you know, be the kind of professional I wanted to be. So I'm still like, I've got my fingers in it. I still sing at church. Um, I, I'm singing in a benefit concert called music for the gut, um, this summer, but like no, no steady teaching. It's just too much for now. I mean, you are in it. Hard. And I just want to tell you, like, my youngest is three now. And looking Mm -hmm. back, like, two years ago, I can't even begin to tell you how much easier it is already. So it's right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, and I I know it's going to get harder. Like, I know the teenage years, the middle school years, I know that's all going to be really hard, but it gets easier for the most part, I think, for a little while. Yeah, it does. Um, There are so many times with the two girls that I've said to myself, I'm so, so thankful for my son and having already done that stage with him a long time ago, because when you're doing it for the first time, you don't believe it'll ever end. No, it's so hard. Yeah, you logically know it'll end, but you're just like, no, it's never going to end. And because I saw him in front of me every day, I'm like, okay, it ends. Here he is. It's okay. I like, I will feel okay someday again. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's hard because you know, it's fleeting, but at the same time, yeah. you're so tired. I know it's, oh, and it's hard not to be panicky, especially with like, am I doing enough for the business? Am I doing enough uh-huh. for my kids? And like, you just feel like you can't balance it all. And I mean, I guess you don't. I know. I, I struggle with like, I love podcasting. I love running my business, but at the same time, am I like, Am I putting too much of my energy to that? Like, am I going to regret it because uh, I the time with them is going to be gone? And I think every working mom probably feels that way at some yeah, some point in time. Definitely. Um, okay, so you mentioned the book. You mentioned the Daniel Still book. And then yeah. what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, cool Flowers by Lisa Mason Ziegler. Okay. Do you have any other fun, like, mindless reads? Oh, my goodness. You know what? I feel like I have not read in the last two and a half years. I mean, you've had some things going on. It's true. No, like I can't even recommend anything fun to you because I just I haven't read it. Um, if you're into cut flowers, definitely any of the Florey books, like buy all three of them. They're all fantastic. But yeah, I just other than magazines, like I have not read it. I'm so embarrassed, but it's just, it is what it is. No, don't be embarrassed. Well, Kristen also has a bunch of eBooks. So we'll link those too. where. So if you have like questions or you want to look into any of her courses, um, we'll link that in the show notes. Do you watch terrible TV to unwind in your two bedroom house? Do you have a space to do that? <laughs> 
No, we don't even own a TV. We decided like for us, it was like a money saving thing. We're like, okay, what are we really watching on TV? So um, we just have Disney plus and otherwise we just watch YouTube and like, honest to God in this season, we are just so <laughs> busy that like, I don't need to watch scads of TV. It's, I mean, I would love to watch trashy TV whenever I'm at my mother's like HGTV, here I come. I'm yes. there. <laughs> I struggle with that too, because I, when Here's the thing. When I get my kids to bed at night, that's what I want to do. And I I know know I shouldn't do it every night, but like I love putting my kids to bed and putting The Bachelor on or like, you know, Virgin River, which is just like a really cheesy romance novel type show on Netflix. Like it's not doing anything for me, but like I just crave it. I like literally put them down and I crave it. And so when I hear people like you who don't actually do that I'm like man I could read a lot more books if I gave it up well I mean if my children ever get on a decent sleep schedule like maybe I'll actually have that two hours in the evening to unwind but just right now and for the last however long it's like it takes until almost 10 p.m oh and to then get you're everybody done. settled I'm done like I can't stay up till 12 I am a seven-year-old at heart like I need to be in bed by 10 p.m <laughs> I'll be really cranky and if they're not totally always sleeping through the night you're like I better get to sleep before someone wakes me up exactly because I'm like I'm gonna miss that sleep and then I'm gonna be grumpy and I'm at the point where coffee like doesn't even really help that much it's just (laughs) I know when people say that like oh you'll get through it on coffee I'm like I almost feel like yes I'm always gonna have my coffee in the morning always and sometimes I have an afternoon cup but like I think drinking more water helps than anything honestly Um, okay. So do you have a place other than Nova Scotia, which look, her youngest daughter is just turned one. So we just started doing any sort of traveling with our kids this past year when my youngest was two. Um, I just traveling with babies is hard and some people are champions and they do it. But for us, we had no interest. Mm -hmm. No, that's fair. Totally fair. Um, you know what? I'll give you a Canadian location since I'm Canadian. I'll give you two, actually. So um, I besides Nova Scotia, I would also recommend going to Montreal once in your life. It's it's like New York, but European. It's it's really lovely. And you don't have to worry about speaking French. Like as even if you try to speak French there, if once they hear your American accent, they'll just like switch to English. So you don't have to worry. And then the other would be Kananaskis county country like it's um it's a camping thing there's lots of hiking trails and stuff in Alberta and it's basically like Banff but there's way less people and the water is just so gorgeous and the mountains are beautiful and so that's where I would recommend I love it okay Kristen what is your last message you want to leave our audience with today I want to say, you know what, if you want to give gardening a try, like just do it. Don't worry about failure. Don't worry if you have weeds, if things die, like it's seriously okay. I would not be doing this much gardening with kids this young if it wasn't my job and I had people helping me. Like when Dominic was young, (laughs) I had a couple of containers and I think I threw a few perennials in the ground and that's all I could manage. And then as he got older, you know, I added on and added on. So just like be kind to yourself and just keep trying. 
All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? You can find Kristen, our guest today on Instagram. She is shifting underscore roots over there. She has got all kinds of great resources if you are looking to grow a garden. And she has eBooks, all the information you need over at shiftingroots.com. All right, friends, and this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network, so make sure you check Sandy Boy out on Instagram. We are Sandy Boy Productions over there. We have a couple other great podcasts in our network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. That's hosted by me. I host a podcast where I interview professional runners and some everyday runners as well. We have the Up and Running podcast, bringing you all of the latest news in elite and professional distance running. The Urban Pharmacy, where Stacey Heine is bringing you holistic nutrition, health, and wellness tips, interviewing amazing guests over there. And then we have the Illuminate Podcast, which highlights people who are doing really great work in the world. Learn more at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, have a really great rest of your day, and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?